Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. It's day two, Melissa. It's day two. Welcome, dear listeners, to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa, and this is... Wendy! And we are back at Fantastic Fest 2019, giving our reports from the ground. From from the... Literally from the ground. From, We're sitting from, on the ground. Yeah, from... Yeah, literally on the ground next to a restaurant on the pavement here. So, um... <laughs> and we're... We're gazing at some very ominous-looking black vehicles that undoubtedly. Honestly, if this was Twister, they would these would be the the evil tornado chasers. Yeah, probably, and uh, they're probably holding famous people. I it seems likely. I do like the one chauffeur. He's all in his like like men in black suit. Yeah, but he's got a man bun and the most glorious beard. He really does. It's like it's quite long. Excellent. He's like, looking good. Like he he looks like ZZ Top's like nephew. Yeah, kind of. Not yeah. quite that long of a beard, but impressive. Yeah, impressive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what did you see in the... So, listeners, we're, it's after the second round. Yeah. Because we couldn't quite get our shit together after the first no, round. No, I, I, I didn't have my shit together. Um, I arguably don't have my shit together yet. Oh, you know what? Shit can be scattered. Let's keep our shit scattered. Okay. So, what did you see in the first round? I saw Son of the White Mare. Okay, now that's a repertory screening. Yes, it is. It is a an animated film from the early 80s from Hungary. Okay. And it just received a really excellent restoration. So it was gorgeous. Um, dear listeners, Son of the White Mare, if you're not familiar with it, is one of those hallmarks of very oddball animation. Um, it is... Extremely abstract. Um, the the animation is fascinating. It's very it's like flat designy, um, very very ornate in its own way. But it's um, the story is from Hungarian folklore. So it's about you know this this white mare that gives birth to three sons, and you know the last one she nurtures until she passes away and he's strong enough to to pull a tree up by its roots and he goes out and he, you know meets the other three sons and you know they go around conquering shit so it's it, not much there for plot but boy the animation is there it is so gorgeous and i'm i'm thinking wendy hasn't heard a word i said because no, she's photographing it's a, her it's her a hungarian dinosaur. and there's three brothers and they go to they go to hell to. They go to the underworld to save their princesses that are in another castle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was listening, but also I am continuing my photo shoot. Okay, my dinosaur feels like is expressing my angst that there is no East cider at the Alamo this year. So. Yeah, it, Wendy is very distressed about the lack of good cider here. 
Well, as one ought to be. All right. I think that just means you need to drink whiskey. Don't get me wrong. I do love a Moscow mule, a tequila mule, a... a Jalisco mule. A, a Kentucky mule, a Jalisco mule. I love all the mules. I love all kinds of drinks. I love mixed drinks. I love whiskey. I love bourbon. I love scotch. I love it all. But every once in a while, you just need a fucking cider because you can't drink that shit full, like, 24-7. And the ciders they have are just, ugh, not my cup <laughs> of tea. Anyway, but that's my wine. I okay. Were you done with Son of the White Man? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I saw... Night has come, which is very interesting. Um, it's by a Belgian filmmaker, and it was actually his PhD project, uh-huh. where he was working with the film archive of Belgium, um, like as, like I think as part of his program. Mm-hmm. And the sort of the treatise was a film, like film artist as archivist, okay. like being creating film as. Like in the concept of what are what are you archiving about the world in the process of making your film? Right. Cool. Right. So he used um, he used archival film from their archives. So you know, like th- like uh, film from surgeries and propaganda films and educational uh-huh. films and things like that. And what he did is he cut it together to create a narrative. Um, the narrative being supplied because all the sound is taken out the narrative being supplied by a voiceover Um, and the narrative is that there is this virus that is attacking memories and it starts with the children and there's a great line of like an entire generation of lost children and so the government is basically storing people's memories to try to uh, that's their antidote but then the question becomes are they storing all of them are they only choosing some memories is this a way of basically reprogramming the population but it that is a lot more concise than how it happens right it's 70 minutes it is very very slow I want to be clear it is very slow and it's but it's kind of a tone poem mm-hmm. um <coughs> sorry <coughs> they travel in pairs um it's allergy season in Austin it's also just there's bright light and I yeah. sneeze a lot I do mm-hmm. um so yeah, it was like it was experimental film. Okay. So it was something that you only see at Fantastic Fest, and it was very interesting. The director was there, uh-huh. and uh, he of course has a French accent because he's Belgian, and he was so soft-spoken. The closer he held the mic, the quieter he spoke. So like the microphone didn't really help, and he had this very low voice and very like also low in the register and very soft spoke this man has a career as an ASMR YouTube star if he only knew he could make (laughs) so much money between the voice quality the softness and the accent oh I was just like I feel so relaxed right now yeah so So that was my round one okay and my round two I watched Nail in the Coffin The Fall and Rise of Vampiro Oh, that's the Lucha, the Canadian the, Luchador. The Canadian Luchador, yes. It's a documentary. The it's documentary. documentaries this year really strong. Yeah, yeah. And I watched it, and um, it's kind of your standard, you know, rise and fall of a of a star. You know, it's like this guy gets famous. This guy gets 
you know, hurts himself and does horrible things to his body. And then oh. he, he recovers again and, and rises again. And so it's, um, you know, we all know that story. Yes, yeah. I mean, yeah. But, the, I mean, honestly, that's kind of why you do a documentary yeah. is whatever happened to this person, they were famous, what happened after? Like, yeah. that tends and to be the genesis. The, the answer is that Ian Hodgkinson is um, um, now a uh, wrestling producer. So he's, like, oh. backstage and, you know, shouting directions at the, the wrestlers on stage. But he... it. So, in the early 90s, he, this Canadian just decides to go to Mexico and become a luchador. He has no training whatsoever. He just shows up and says, I'm going to be a luchador. And lo and behold, they make him a luchador, and he, beco- he becomes famous. And, uh, and then, you know, as, as wrestlers often do, you know, it, it takes a huge toll on the body. And, you know, he's had his trials and tribulations with his health and, um, you know, just struggling to keep going and doing what he wants to do and making sure his daughter grows up right. Because he, he basically, he made sure his, his daughter stayed behind in um, um, Thunder Bay in Ontario. Jesus. And he'd commute to Mexico for these... For these gigs. Oh, geez. Yeah, and uh, so where he is now, he's he's a producer, but he also has uh, Parkinson's. He has Alzheimer's. Oh. Um, he, but he's. You know what? I think I like the Q and A even better than the movie because oh. he's he's here. Vam- Vampiro is here. That's amazing. And he's this really kind of soft-spoken, very sweet guy. Um, has social anxiety, um, you know, has his health problems, and he likes playing video games. Uh, he, he, more than all, he loves his daughter, who, Aww. like, just graduated, and he's, he seems to be doing okay now, you know? And it's... It was just an interesting story, and, and it's, it's also nice to see a wrestling documentary that isn't, like, Oh shit! These poor guys. Yeah. This one actually has kind of a positive edge to it, just because the guy at the center is kind of this—I mean, sweet guy. The, yeah, the things they do to their body. Mm-hmm. Jeez. And he works with the guardian angels and, and all Aww. that stuff. So, yeah, he seems like a cool dude. Um, I saw the antenna. Oh, how was that? Which I was excited is about that. Turkish. Uh huh. Um. I will be honest and say that unfortunately I got a twofer in like I got two films back to back that were very deliberately paced mm, yeah. and that that means that like going into it I'm already kind of deliberately paced out after watching Night Has Come so right. so it like it didn't get the best I wasn't in the best place to watch it now that said the premise is the premise is great and uh, Evram who is Turkish introduced it um, and so, of course, uh, Turkey right now is very much under the control of governmental forces that are very controlling. Yes. Um, and so the arts in Turkey have to find ways to address the topics they want to address sideways. And so genre, as it usually does, yeah. steps in. So it's a movie about... Uh, 
the rot at the core of the government. Mm -hmm. And, oh, she's adorable. <laughs> um, little princess just walked by. Literally, she's uh -huh. got a princess dress on. Um, the rot at the core of a government and um, the corruption and, yeah, and, and like the controlling nature of it. So uh, Mehmet uh, is the caretaker, super, like the super of this high-rise tower. Yeah. And the government is sending out new antennas to all these high-rises to broadcast the new government-sponsored channel. And the first bulletin is going to be at midnight. Mm -hmm. And as soon as, as soon as the antenna is installed on the roof, strange things start happening. The most obvious and the one that's almost immediate is black goo starts dripping from it and literally infesting the whole building. Oh my god. Yeah. And it goes from there. It's got some, honestly, it's got some strong like Lovecraftian um, overtones in, in terms of like dreamscapes and like it reminds me of like Carpenter Lovecraft. Right. Right? Um, just like he'll wander into a space and the space just shifts to all yeah. these random places even though he hasn't traveled to any of those places. So, yeah. and But it's also a movie where there's very little dialogue because it's mostly just people observing things and reacting to things. Yeah. So, um, that said, the lead actor has a very expressive face. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. I mean... It's just, I, that was, my two earliest movies were slow, and, I mean, it's only day two. That would be really rough in day six. Oh, my God, yeah. It's only day two, so that's fine, but I do need a movie to kind of get me a little hype now, because right. I'm a little like, woohoo, I need, woohoo. Some, some vavoom. <laughs> I do need some vavoom now, but they were both very interesting. They were both, and I'm not being a Minnesotan when I say that. Like, those are the type of movies that, honestly, you come to Fantastic Four because you don't get to see them otherwise. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, like, yeah. Like, Son of the White Mare is... Like, that's a yeah. that's almost legendary, because it's yeah. like, holy shit, we actually have this print of it. Oh, yeah, wow. and a gorgeous restored print. Yeah. Oh, it is so pretty. But was it Tammy and the T-Rex pretty? No. <laughs> Very different, though. <laughs> Very different. Tammy and the T-Rex. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Glorious. I'm going to keep playing with my... Um, with your dinosaur. With my dinosaur. That is not a euphemism, dear listeners. She actually has a dinosaur. Ooh, maybe he... Oh, you know what? Aww. There we I'm go. Gonna, I'm going to take a selfie with my dinosaur. A cleavage Aww. selfie. Okay, dear listeners, we're going to go back in and uh, watch some more movies. Catch you in a couple hours. I need better light. There we go. All right, and we are back. Back, back, back. It's All right. like a... Uh, 11.16 at night. Yeah, we got to be kind of quick because yep. they're going to be Yeah, we got to hop in pretty, pretty And quick. I can't wait for this next one. Yeah, um, right? Okay, so what did you see in uh, slot number three? All right, in slot number three, and by the way, so listeners, we're doing another twofer. We did three and four, and now we're recording. Right. And after my slow morning, yeah. the day is picked up. I am hey, so oh. happy for you. Um, like, not crazy pants picked up, but like... Gave me what I wanted picked up. Um, yeah. Which, oh, that sounds bad. It's not that the others didn't give me what I wanted, but like... You have it, what you want now. Yeah. Um, Vast of Night. 
I saw it too. Yeah. You, so we both we both oh, seen oh, the same oh, thing oh, in rounds oh, three yes. and four. Oh yes. So we can both talk about Vast, Vast of, of Night. Oh, it. Um, so Dave Canfield uh, made an excellent point. Yeah. About how it reminded him of The Witch, in that what The Witch did was really put you in the space mm-hmm. and also in the world view of the people who were in that particular time and having that experience like yeah. and what this does is put really put you in the place and the world view of 50s New Mexico UFO yeah and spoiler it's, and it's great well i mean that's i don't think it's a spoiler because that's what his pitch was, is like that UFO paranoia. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Yeah. What, what are these, blah, blah, blah. And so it almost feels like it might turn into the War of the Worlds, the historical. Yeah. The historical War of the Worlds event where people thought it was real. Right. And the freaked out and the paranoia. So. But, but the, you know, the nuts and bolts of the movie is it's. Um, hey. Um, it is a movie set in the 1950s in a very small New Mexico town. Everybody in the town is at the, the town baseball or, uh, basketball game. Mm-hmm. And so the only people like outside are the telephone operator mm-hmm. and uh, the guy at the radio station. Who happen to be friends with the woman at the... Yeah, the two of them are friends. She's 16 and he's probably like 19, 20. Yeah, I think so. And, I mean, it's a little flirty, but it's also a little older brother, little sister-y. But they're They're friends. They're very clearly very good friends. Yeah. And the whole opening is just... It's a Sorkin-esque walk and talk. Yeah, and you're just meeting everybody in the town. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's these long takes that happen yeah. that are great. Long, long tracking shots. And it's just the movie. nothing but character building and place setting for the first mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Yeah. And then once, once they've got you firmly ensconced in this little town and you understand the place, the community, the vibe, then it's like, great. Now, the story is really just these two. Yeah. And weird sounds are happening. What the fuck is happening? Weird sounds. And. It, She's hearing them on his radio program because she's listening, and then she's hearing them on her phone lines. Uh-huh. And then she calls him and is like, are you hearing this when you're on the radio? No. Well, oh, I'll play back. Oh, now I can hear it. What is happening now? Yeah. And they, they start to investigate the weird sounds, mm-hmm. and the story develops, and the sound design is excellent. Yeah, like there are portions where the screen just goes dark and it's a radio play. Yeah, pretty it, much. deliberately, although yeah. you're sitting there going... Is there a technical glitch? But then it just keeps happening, and then you listen, and you're like, no, this is deliberate, and this is bold. Yeah. I was really impressed. There are very few movies that will just go to black and let the sound do the work. Because you could have just kept it on one of their faces as they were listening. But it's like, no, I just want you to hear what's happening. Yeah. And, yeah, it was was so satisfying. Mm -hmm. Like, the whole arc of it just there was never a moment that felt false yeah and that's that's not easy to do no it it's a it's like if you break down the story you it's it's a very simple story incredibly simple there, and there are no makes side it, plots yeah what makes it work is the atmosphere 
and just sheer filmmaking. Yeah. And it's the first the time, it's a first time director. I'm and so that's impressed. amazing. And his hair was amazing. His hair was amazing. His hair was like silence yeah. amazing. Like mm-hmm. it was Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver hair amazing. Yeah, really amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he is a first time director and really so confident. And it's not, it's not slow or deliberate paced at all, mm-hmm. but it's quiet. And it just, the tension just keeps just yeah. ratcheting up notch by notch to where you're just like, what is, what is happening? What's going to happen? Oh my God, what's, where are they going now? What's going to happen? What, what wrinkle is this going to be? And yeah, I was just, yeah, I was delighted. Really well done. I was delighted by it. And then, and then, then, and then we saw Color Out of Space. I have to say, Melissa, yes. given. Have you ever read Color of Space? I have not. I have not read any Lovecraft. Okay. That is that is key. But I have seen almost a lot of Lovecraft movies. A yeah. lot of the movies that have been they've tried to uh, tried to tried. adapt. With Most Lovecraft based movies are shit. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So I am trying to wrap my head around the fact that the director was Richard Stanley. Richard Stanley. It was a Lovecraft story yeah. starring Nick Cage, and it was coherent. Yeah. It made sense the whole time. Mm-hmm. I'm so impressed. <laughs> so, dear listeners, if you're not familiar with Richard Stanley, he made a movie called Hardware in, uh, what was it, the late 80s? Yeah. And um, a couple other things, but then he was most notoriously the director that got kicked off the island of Dr. Moreau. The one with with uh, Marlon Brando, the the one yeah. where they had to digitally remove his his butt crack, yeah, and his junk, and his junk, and so, dear listeners, Richard Stanley at this point had not worked in feature film for like twenty five years, and now he has come out with this, and, and it's, it's great. It's great. I mean, it's it because the problem with Lovecraft is Lovecraft is so crazy. Yeah. That if you follow it, start if you follow Lovecraft, there comes a point where, okay, yeah, but now how do you, how do you get back out? Yeah, and I mean, like the whole point of Lovecraft is you never explain or describe the monster because whatever you make up in your head is worse, and that is the antithesis of what people do in movies. <laughs> Except he threads that needle. He, he really does well. pretty well. Um, the thing about Color Out of Space, my one beef about the movie is I'm very much in love with the story color out of space and it's very it's weirdly subtle and by the end of this movie it is not subtle it, 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 it goes to big boom places um, but I'm very surprised for as as much as they adapted it to be modern day story and you know like putting women in the story. And a person of color. And a person of color. A couple people of color, actually. Uh And, um, you know, updating it in in such a way. (laughs) I'm very impressed that they kept as many beats of the story as they did. Like, right up to, you know, locking the wife in the attic and the... There's... You get the blight. You know, all the... The weird plants and... Alpacas were not part of it, but I, I appreciate alpacas. They're the animal of the future, Melissa. They're the animal of the future. <laughs> and Nick Cage, 
Nick Cage, remarkably restrained. Remarkably restrained. A few choices that uh, I told Vinny were both bold and irrelevant. Yeah. Except actually on further thought, irrelevant meaning like, what does that have to do with what's going on? I think what he was trying to do is be his father. Yeah, he's turning into his father. Yeah. Basically. But it, it comes across very odd until yeah. you're like, I think that's what's going on and that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, um, and it's got Jolie Richardson. Mm-hmm. And she's so good. I like watching her face. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. And the visuals are stunning. Yeah. I mean, and another one with great sound design. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. It, uh, the mad piping is there, dear, dear listeners. Mad piping. Check. <laughs> ding, ding. And um, I really enjoyed the Q&A with Richard Stanley after because I was in a theater. Uh, I was not in the theater with Richard Stanley, although he's like he's right just, over there. He's, he's right like, over there. He's right over there. But um, I was not in the theater that had the q and I was getting, we were seeing the, the video feed in my theater. But the sound cut out. Okay, so 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 somebody in the back of the theater started like making up what Richard. It, oh. They were MST3King. What they thought he was saying is, like, yeah, I'm, I I've got an itch on my my chin. I must have an infection there, and that reminds me of the time we did mescaline with Nicolas Cage, <laughs> and he just. <laughs> Whoever the guy was in the back, he was on. Here's what's crazy: I didn't stay for the Q and A because we were getting sound, but no picture, and it was very disjointed. And I was like, I can't. At one point, we were getting sound from a different Q and A. That's what it was. (laughs) Because it was Evram doing some other Q and A, and I'm like, Evram wasn't. What is this? I, I think he was doing. Uh, the the Joe Hill movie that was in, the uh, in the tall grass in the tall grass yeah I, I was searching for that title it's like in the weeds no yes in the no. trees yes. no in the tall grass okay. which theater are you in for Deerskin I am in nine uh, A I am eight A they're probably seating group A yeah probably all right so, so we need to go in and see the new Quentin Dupieux movie yes <laughs> I am very very interested in this. me too I've been told it's absurdist and I'm in the mood for that well that is very on brand for that gentleman all right all right dear listeners we'll catch you later pew pew pew. And we are back, and we are in a car. Wendy is driving, and I have audio. So you're probably going to hear me swear at at least one driver. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dear listeners, this is a a rarefied experience, being in the passenger seat while Wendy is driving. It really is an adventure. It takes a hearty soul. So we're we're going to podcast while doing this. <laughs> what could go wrong? What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? All right. The last film of today was the perfect capper. Dear the, Skin. Oh, yes. Wow. So, dear listeners, I absolutely love the director, Quentin DePew. Um. He's weird and bonkers and wonderful. Yes. So he's the guy who made Rubber, which is about a killer car tire. And um, last year, uh, Keep an Eye Out was a favorite at uh, the festival. I didn't get I to loved see it. it. I still need to track it down. <sighs> I finally bought the French DVD of it, and I'm, I've got it at home, and I'm so happy. But anyway, Deerskin is his latest one. With Jean Dujardin. And Jean Dujardin, who is... 
Um, so very good in this. Um, he, you would know him. He was in the artist, the artist, the, the artist. Well, I mean, so very French, so French. And of course, he like he's the latest. Hi, I'm the French actor everybody knows. Yeah, because um, in Monument Men, he's the French dude in that. Ah, that's right. Yeah, I really. I mean, Monument Men is very, you know, by the numbers, but it's still enjoyable. What are you gonna do? Right. Anyway, and he, it is Jean Dujardin's film. He. He is well. I mean, there's almost nobody else in it, and he's still so great. Well, I should. That's not true. There is somebody else in it. Yes, <laughs> there the, there are a few people. The jacket. The jacket. <laughs> yes. You, uh, you need. So, you need okay, <clears throat> dear listeners, dear skin. Starts out with Jean de Chardin paying an extraordinary amount of euros for a deerskin jacket, complete with fringe. With the fringe. With the fringe. And it doesn't quite fit, but he loves it, because it's got killer style. Killer style. And um, he he goes and checks into a ho- hotel to stay a month, and, uh, oh, and he also acquires a video recorder for free. So he starts thinking he's a filmmaker and he starts, you know, filming things on his video recorder and it becomes clear that, um, well, he, he starts having conversations with his jacket. Like he, he, he becomes obsessed with it very yes, quickly. Yes. And so he's talking to his jacket and the jacket is talking back. It's actually him talking to himself, but the jacket is talking back. He is putting on a slightly different voice and pretending to be the jacket. Yeah. And very quickly losing, like, he he splits personality. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, it's... <laughs> it's hilarious. I know. This, like, by it, the way, it's a, it's a comedy. It is a comedy. It's a very absurdist. This is dark fucking absurdist comedy. yeah yeah it, it's um what it reminds me of is louis bonnell's filmmaking okay yeah very well first of all very french but french. also uh, uh, it's a movie movie and it's very deliberately absurdist and it's got a sense of humor but it, it's a, a guy talking with his jacket man <laughs> and he he decides i love this scene I love the scene where he first has the jacket talk, and he didn't like that voice, so he starts trying out different voices yes. for the jacket. Yes. Because first he's like, well, hello, I'm from Italy. And then he's like, no, I'm I'm from Italy. No, I'm, I'm from, from Italy. Italy. There it yeah. is. And then like you hear like a little almost uh, Sergio uh, yeah. uh, Morricone. No. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Ennio Morricone. There we go. Are you thinking? Yeah. Of? Yes. Like that little like spaghetti western almost musical sting comes up at one yeah. point, and I'm like, Whoa. yeah. The, the, the horns just suddenly go Whoa. at at <laughs> vastly inappropriate times, and it's beautiful. Oh. So yeah, and he decides uh, he wants to be the only man with a jacket in the world, and well, it starts. The jacket says, "I have a dream." A jacket has a dream. I want to be the only jacket in the world. You know what's funny, jacket? I have a dream to be the only person who wears a jacket in the world. Yeah. Well, then, how are we going to make this dream come true? Well. <laughs> and that is... And a plot is born. <laughs> and, boy, 
I'm so in love with this movie. I think this is the first movie this fest where I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted out of this movie experience, and I'm so happy I saw this. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to show this to other people. No, Be- Tammy and the T-Rex was exactly what I wanted as well. <laughs> I agree. But, I agree. I agree. But, yes. Yeah. But it, for very different reasons. Yes. Um, yeah. But no, that was, it was just so fucking satisfying. Yeah. I And I don't even want to talk past this point about yeah. the movie, although very early on in the movie when he's driving and he's and he hasn't yet acquired the jacket and the windshield wiper noise there's wonderful awkward silence with awkward like noises like a door creaking too loudly or things like that that are so uncomfortable and in the moment hilarious Lola and I were dying at the windshield wipers (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> oh he's so Jean Dujardin it, his face is so warm and open and it means he can get away with anything on yeah. film God bless the French anyway they're just <laughs> they're so fucking weird and I love it and I'm here for it yes yeah so folks Deer Skinner's a total winner and of course, everybody we've talked to who also saw Deerskin is like, "Oh my god, I loved it!" Uh, so, well, no, I did see a lot of people who aren't in my closest circle being uh, like, "I well, don't know, I'm still thinking about it." And I'm like, "Okay, you walk away, and that's fine. You get to have your you get to have your feelings, but I'm going to be over here and camped. Fuck yeah!" They're they're not in our chosen few, or right? chosen many, as it may be. Yes, <laughs> my inner circle is pretty big. Let's just be it honest. Is, yeah. Yeah, um, it's a pretty wide net. <laughs> oh, oh, that so, was such a great end of the day. <laughs> yes. So, Wendy, uh, we did see an additional movie before the fest. And since it's coming up on the schedule, we should probably talk about it and uh, get some more people in that theater, you know, for all five of the people who are listening to this podcast. Are you talking about... The Wave? The Wave, Yes. Yes, I did get to watch a screener of The Wave because I'm going to be hosting the screening. And um, and so they asked that you you watch you it prep. in advance. And so we did. We watched that with David Canfield at, at home. And, we did. And, and uh, dear listeners, this is different from The Wave that we went nuts for several years ago, which is a Norwegian film about a, a, tsunami, a tsunami in a fjord. In a fjord. <laughs> yes. Which is great to look it up, but there's a new movie called The Wave starring Justin Long. Yes, and the premise of the movie is that he is sort of an uptight workaholic uh, lawyer, mm-hmm. and he he is just he has just nailed the biggest win of his career, and his friend is like, "Let's go out." He gives in. They go out. He tries a drug because he just wants to celebrate. And then he wakes up the next morning with no memory of what has happened. And then the rest of the movie is trying to figure out what the fuck just happened. Yeah. And it goes in surprising places. Yeah. It's it's trippy and uh, very funny in spots and odd. And it does, again, much kind of like uh, Deerskin. It hinges on the fact that Justin Long is so likable. Yeah. With such a such an open and expressive face that you just want to watch him. And 
because the whole movie centers on him trying to figure things out. And it's not, I mean, it's not funny like The Hangover. Right. But it is f- funny, but trippy is a really good word for it. Yeah. Um, and it, it's got a fun sense of humor about itself, but it, you know, also has these, it, it has some really wild play with your perception sequences. Yeah, there's yeah. an existential thread that runs through it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. The farther I get away from it, the more I, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And, and was it Donald Faison who was? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his, his friend. Um, from Scrubs. Yeah, from Scrubs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who I he, also like. Yes, and he's he is very engaging in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the wave was was great, and I I'm looking forward to introing it tomorrow and and watching it with a big crowd for a midnight screening. So I'm hoping I'm hoping it hits as well as it hit with us. Yes, I don't I see so how it wouldn't, but you know, it's it's a fun movie. It's got a good vibe. I think it'll go over well at Fantastic And I feel like it sticks the landing. Yeah. Because that's the thing is sometimes a movie is like 90% great and then the landing misses and you're like, well, yeah, I recommend it, but uh, just be aware the ending kind of isn't there really. But it's the way that is not true of the wave. It sticks the landing. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Ah, day three tomorrow. Yes. Yes. I gotta be more alert tomorrow. I was getting kind of dozy during, uh, earlier in the day. Yeah, I gotta make better food choices. My tummy is not okay. Yeah, I noticed I, that too. I think I need to just eat salads tomorrow for, like... I'm, I've become a fan of getting the salads as wraps, because then you can pick them up and shove them in your face without having to see the salad to spear it with a fork. Yeah, but then they give you chips, and then I eat the chips because I have no self-control. No, no, no. What you do is you replace the chips with um, potato chips. Or, not potato, uh, 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 french fries. Okay. They're not crunchy. I know everybody complains about the crunchiness. Oh, it's not the crunchiness. Ah. It's, uh, it's, um... The fries are heavy and the chips are heavy. I'm having a corn issue. Anyway, listeners, I know you're fascinated by this. I'm having a corn issue. <laughs> if I eat too much corn, part of it is I had popcorn twice today. Well, there you go. Well, I know, but I don't have self-control, which we all... <laughs> I think we all know this. Meanwhile, I had I had one of the uh, corn and hot chocolate cookies again today. What Are those they're, good? They're so good. Okay, I've got to try one. Yeah, it's like a cookie made out of cornmeal and it has chocolate involved as well. Oh, that does sound good. It is good. And it's it's served hot. Okay. And the chocolate oil is all oozy and delicious. Mmm. Mm. It's very good. Okay. Okay. I'm on board. Um, yeah. I think I'm I might board. need to, like, pry the recipe out of the draft house or something. Tomorrow I feel good about my my slate. But we'll get to that tomorrow, listeners. Yeah, we will. So, um, yeah. Oh. And yes? the, I saw the short. The short in front of... I didn't even mention this. The short in front of night has come. Transmissions uh-huh. from a distant past. I think I'm getting that wrong. Okay. But it's it was um, Thai. It was from oh. Thailand. A Thai short. Okay. It was like and it was a long a longer short. So oh, it was okay. like uh, 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. It Ooh. was um, the whole premise being 
that they're, they have this satellite that's up there taking pictures to help with tracking weather patterns, and it glitches, and then the pictures it starts sending are from the past. Oh. And, like, from five years ago, from last year, uh-huh. like, in no particular order, from 50 years ago, from 200 years ago? From, and then, so, you know, the one scientist, who happens to be female, is super excited. She's like, we could learn a lot, not just from what these pictures, like, historians are going to want to see these, but also, if this is possible, this could redefine physics. And who she's telling this to is, these three soldiers appear, and don't say a word, put down a phone, put it on um, speakerphone, and there's just a voice so what's going on? Well, this, and it's great. You sound very excited. Well, yes, I should be excited. But yeah, but well, here's the thing. Uh. It's not actually doing what it's made to do. So actually, it's malfunctioning. So these three chipper men are going to go with you. And of course, they're all stone-faced. Yeah. These three friendly little men are going to go with you to help you help you shut everything off and destroy all the photos, basically. Uh, and it's it's all just and that's pretty much it and then she does it and then she cries mm-hmm. and it's just the government cover up and it was just elegant filmmaking and really well done nice so and I, I mean there were other shorts that played today but that one stood out okay so uh, alright yeah. good to know yeah good to know yeah the shorts Peter does such a good job pairing up shorts yeah I've been really noticing that when he's been seeing shorts they're very nicely they're very uh, thematic Yes. Because yes, Wakey Wakey well went with deer skin really well. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, listeners. <laughs> I'm still driving, so that must mean I keep talking, right? Well, you know, we are off of Mopac now and on the home stretch, so we should probably pack it up. All right. Well, then this was day two of Fantastic Fest. It was. I'm very excited for day three, which you will hear on the next day. Yay! Yay! Yay. See you soon, listeners. See? See you soon? See? Hear you? No, wait. They're hearing us soon. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's it's like 1.42 in the morning. I'm not mocking you. I'm just, I know. That's the sort of shit I'd say. I know. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at XanaduCinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome.